tonight, rain ravaged. Hundreds are trapped in a BC resort, while in another community, flooding prompts a local state of emergency. Plus, thousands are left in the cold and dark as strong winds knock down trees and knock out power. And sell and landline customers from Rogers, Telus, and Bell say they're all experiencing outages, and the storm may also be to blame. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. All that relentless rain that pounded the south coast in the past 24 hours has caused widespread damage and headaches for thousands. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. That heavy rainfall has finally ended, but the damage assessment throughout southern B.C. has just begun. Swollen rivers have burst their banks, flooding out homes, washing out roads and triggering landslides that have trapped hundreds at a lower mainland mountain resort. Nadia Stewart begins our coverage. After a night of heavy rainfall, this is the aftermath. Hemlock Valley Road, which leads up to the Sasquatch Mountain Resort, is washed out, leaving up to 500 people stuck. It occurred on the road last night where we had a bit of a landslide. Uh, so nobody was injured. Uh, there was no damages. According to the Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure, it will take up to six days just to get one lane open. So for those who want off the mountain... We've got a helicopter company that we've been working with out of Chilliwack here called TRK Helicopters, uh, which is offering rides to our guests that need to get down off the mountain. Resort staff say many of the folks who are trapped have condos on the hill and they have generators. The situation here is less pressing compared to Cedar in the regional district of Nanaimo, where homeowners had to be rescued. Residents say it's been a few years since they've seen the Nanaimo River this high. I've been out here since the 70s, and uh, yeah, this, the river's pretty high, that's for sure. The last time the river flooded to this stage um, it was 2007 that required evacuations at that time. A state of local emergency has been declared in Cowichan Valley, where intense localized flooding is causing widespread damage. I've been pumping for three hours now. I managed to get down to a minimal level, but the groundwater level is so high that I'm just maintaining at this point. She was able to stay in her home, but 28 people had to be rescued from their homes. And it's an even worse situation in Crofton, about 30 minutes south of Cedar. There's certain areas where a significant portion of it is underwater, vehicles, uh, you know, unable to be accessed. Uh, so there's the, the damage is, is severe and will probably be very long lasting for some of our residents, unfortunately. The southwest portions of Vancouver Island, along with Metro Vancouver, were drenched by heavy rains from Friday through to Saturday. On top of that, the weather got a little bit warmer. Uh, so as temperatures increase, we had an additional impact of rain on snow. So snow melted and we got a lot more um, flow in the rivers than even forecast. Flood watches and warnings remain in effect as the province's River Forecast Centre continues to urge people to stay away from fast-flowing rivers. Nadia Stork, Global News. 
A driver had to be rescued early this morning from Silver Skagit Road near Hope. As you can see, the road had collapsed. Volunteers with Hope Search and Rescue say the driver did not end up in the river, but did need help because his vehicle was surrounded by dirt, debris and a large rock. Officials say he's very lucky he wasn't hurt. The storm caused a tree to come down on a home in the Britannia Beach area near Squamish early this morning. Fortunately, no one was hurt there either. The homeowner posted a message about her predicament to a community log and dozens of her neighbors came out to help clear the tree and chip up the wood. In the Fraser Canyon, a section of Highway 1 east of the Hell's Gate Air Tram and at Sawmill Creek also was also closed by a landslide. The Transportation Ministry says crews were called to remove the rocks and debris. In parts of the Fraser Valley, strong winds were the big problem. Gusts knocking trees onto power lines, leaving thousands without electricity and causing road closures. BC Hydro crews are trying to restore power as quickly as possible. At the height of the storm, 22,000 customers lost power. In Maple Ridge overnight, low-lying roads were flooded, leading to road closures this morning. A section of 224th Street between 132nd and 136th Avenue and the section north of 136th Avenue were closed for several hours until the floodwaters receded. The heavy rain is also to blame for two mudslides near White Rock yesterday that halted train traffic. Officials were hoping to resume freight service today, but Amtrak passenger service between Vancouver and Bellingham won't resume until Monday at the earliest. And just across the border in Washington state, another landslide blocked northbound lanes on the I-5 south of Bellingham. At one point, the state's Department of Transportation suggested some travelers delay their journeys because there are limited alternate routes. Geotechnical engineers have since determined it is safe to remove the debris and a broken guardrail with hopes of reopening the road tonight. The storm may also have impacted phone service across Western Canada. Some municipalities RCMP non-emergency lines and at least one university say they're having problems receiving and or sending calls. TELUS, Rogers and Bell customers have all reported service issues. Bell says it is experiencing service problems. Rogers is telling its customers the outage has affected several provinces and that in BC it had downed fiber lines due to the storm. But that service should be back to normal. BC Hydro says it's possible that TELUS lines could be down as they share utility poles with them. But TELUS has told Global News they are experiencing no impact to their network. Okay, meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now. Yvonne, just how much rain fell during this storm? A significant amount, all courtesy of an atmospheric river. And these are some of the numbers that were taken from Thursday afternoon until this morning. We saw a range between 60 and upwards of 100 millimeters. Impressive amounts along the western edge of the island. For example, Kennedy Lake with 172 millimeters. Pitt Meadow close to 140. And out of the harbor for Vancouver, up to 80 millimeters. A significant amount, and we've rounded off the month as well with the amounts well above the average. This is the fifth wettest January that we've had on record. Above the average, we got up to 256 millimeters. The average sits at 168. Now we've got a big change on the way. We've got a cold front that's going to sweep across. We've got cool air that is going to push in. We are going to see some moisture, the potential for some snowfall, the timeline coming up very shortly. Colleen? All right. Thanks for that, Yvonne.
Here's some breaking news about a dog rescue on the North Shore. A dog was trapped on the rocks in the middle of Mosquito Creek. The animal was spotted by a passing hiker. North Vancouver District firefighters performed a technical rescue and walked the dog out just moments ago. People are being warned to stay away from fast-moving creeks and keep your pets secure. A look at this. Seattle wasn't spared the storm that hammered us. And in the aftermath, a dangerous police chase was caught on camera. A news crew was out covering the storm damage when suddenly a red SUV came flying down the road, rolling over branches and down power lines. Police say the suspect rammed a police car before the chase was over. In a tweet, officers say the chase began over the shoplifting of a cell phone case. While many are still assessing the damage caused by yesterday's storm, it's just the latest headache for a Columbia Valley couple whose property is continually flooded out. Paul Johnson reports from the Fraser Valley. So this is a community in a place called Columbia Valley, which is just beyond the far end of Cultus Lake. Like a lot of places in the region, the rain they got hit with yesterday felt biblical in proportions. Around midday, residents there started getting worried when they noticed that the water was rising but didn't appear to be draining at all. There are about five homes in that part of the community, about 12 people living there in all, and their community literally turned into a river by midday yesterday. And many hours now, after that rain has stopped, the water is still there. It's destroying um, access to our homes. We can't get access. Um, we can't feed our animals. Um, the water's getting close enough that it's, it's taking out septic systems. So the residents out there tell us they've been experiencing periodic flooding for about 20 years, though this is by far the worst. They're hoping to get the attention of the provincial government. They hope they can come in and do something to improve drainage on that road. One theory that's circulating among people there is they think the flooding has gotten worse since clear-cut logging has been taking place just on the American side of the border. They're quite close to the border there. That's just their theory at this point. But they're still very wet at this time. We know at least one basement has been flooded. It's going to be a long cleanup. Back to you. A waterfront community in Toronto is furious following a triple fatal shooting at an Airbnb. As Shalima Maharaj reports, that all three men were party guests at the short-term rental. Well, I heard the shots at first. Um, I was on the balcony just hanging out. Consecutive bop, 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 bop. Yeah, about six shots in a row. Occupants of this high-rise condominium in City Place are grappling with the unsettling news of a shooting on the 32nd floor Friday night. My boyfriend said that around 10.30 it sounded like fireworks. We sleep with the window open, so he assumed at first it was fireworks, and then he heard commotion in the hallway. Police received multiple reports about the sound of gunshots around 10.20. They arrived to a grisly scene. Two men already dead, and another who was transported to hospital where he later died two others were injured. The violent turn of events prompting Chief Mark Saunders to appear on scene early Saturday morning. I want to make sure that I reassure the communities that we will do 
anything and everything that we can to resolve these types of cases. The victims, all males, 22, 20 and 19 years old. No arrests have been made and investigators say they are not looking for any suspects. When asked whether that means the suspect is among the deceased. I don't want to prematurely say that, but we are uh, looking at that possibility. Acting Detective Sergeant Henri Marsman says there was a party in the unit which was being used as a short-term rental, but remains unclear how the evening escalated. Our investigation has led us to believe right now that uh, we have all the parties involved. Marsman says one of the injured men is cooperating with them. They're continuing to interview witnesses and scour for surveillance. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. Our Prime Minister is condemning an alleged spike in discrimination as fears related to the new coronavirus spread. Just like here today, we need to support each other and stay united. Let me be clear, there is no place in our country for discrimination driven by fear or misinformation. This is not something Canadians will ever stand for. Justin Trudeau addressed a crowd at a Lunar New Year celebration in Scarborough today with strong words. The PM stressing the importance of diversity in Canada. Trudeau will leave later this week for his first overseas tour since being re-elected, visiting Ethiopia, Senegal and Germany. China's death toll from the new coronavirus has risen to 259 and a World Health Organization official says other governments need to prepare for domestic outbreak control as the disease spreads. With 11,000 people in 24 countries infected, the list of countries banning travel from China by non-citizens is growing. The U.S. and Australia are temporarily denying entry to non-citizens who have recently traveled to China, with exceptions regarding immediate family members and permanent residents. And any American returning home who has been to Hubei province within the last 14 days, that's believed to be the virus's incubation period, will be quarantined for up to 14 days. Now, they're also funneling flights into the U.S. through just a few airports prepared to deal with the necessary screening, including JFK in New York, Chicago's O'Hare, and SFO, San Francisco's International Airport. Japan is also banning all foreigners who have been to Hubei province. Vietnam also taking precautions, banning flights without explicit permission. Big American Airlines, American, Delta and United all said direct air service would be halted for months. Another big headline Saturday, Apple said it would close its 42 stores in China until February 9th. But the virus is still spreading and spreading fast. On Saturday, Chinese officials reported the highest death toll so far in a 24-hour period. The last highest was Friday. And all of the deaths so far in China, uh, most are in Hubei province, where, of course, Wuhan is located. Uh, officials here in the U.K. watching very closely, uh, as they are across the world. Molly Hunter, NBC News, London. And to think that people doubted them at the beginning of the season. Well, I just want to say for the half, last half century, uh, Canuck fans have doubted the team because <laughs> good point. stuff has happened that maybe <laughs> may make them doubt. But this is this is such a good young team. Fun to watch, and they just keep on going. Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Canucks just keep on passing the stress test when it comes to contending for a playoff spot. This afternoon against the Islanders, the Canucks beat one of the best teams in the East. Vancouver did give up a late lead, but their Calder Trophy candidate, Quinn Hughes, won it in overtime, stretching the Canucks' latest win streak to five. Travis Green played six seasons with the Islanders in the 90s. That was at the Nassau Coliseum. This game being played in Brooklyn. Canucks opened the scoring 
Quinn Hughes starts the play. Chris Taneb with the slapper hits the post. JT Miller bangs in the rebound. His team-leading 20th goal, 1-0 Canucks. But the Islanders tied it up before the period's out. Josh Bailey leading the rush. His hard pass tipped in by Michael Del Cole. No chance for Jacob Markstrom, who had another great night in the Canucks net, 1-1 after one. Markstrom makes you earn all your goals. Mid-second, Brock Besser back to the point for Chris Tanev. And it's Quinn Hughes who will fire it at the net. Good things happen when you do that. It looked like Besser maybe tipped it, but it went in off an Islander defenseman. Hughes' sixth goal. He was fantastic again today. 2-1 Canucks. Vancouver adds to the lead. Adam Gaudet draws a penalty. So during the delayed call, Brandon Sutter with the shot. And Tim Schaller will score on the rebound. That's his first goal in 35 games. And Schaller... Gives Vancouver a 3-1 lead, but the Isles got one back late second. Anthony Beauvillier, nifty little feed to Jordan Eberle, who finishes in tight. 3-2 Canucks after 40. Canucks defended well the entire third, but with a sixth attacker in the final minute, the point shot off Tanner Pearson's stick right to Brock Nelson, who's got an empty net. Tough break for the Canucks. 3-3, so we go to overtime, but it didn't last long. 42 seconds in. It's all Quinn Hughes. Patience shows off that great skating and then fires the screen wrister past Thomas Grice. Hughes' eighth goal now leads the rookie scoring race ahead of Kale McCarr. Canucks' fifth straight win. They go for six in a row tomorrow, 11 a.m. in Carolina against the Hurricanes. More action. Blues and Jets. Winnipeg on a five-game losing skid has fallen four points out of the final wildcard spot. Taken on the Stanley Cup champs, but Jack Roslovic gives Winnipeg a 1-0 lead with a late first period goal. And then late in the second, it's Roslovic again scooping up the rebound past Jordan Bennington. 2-0 Jets and then 15 seconds to go in the period. This is a big one for Winnipeg. Andrew Kopp with the snipe there. 3-0 Jets and they lead 3-1 very late in the third. We'll show you one more. Habs and Panthers. Florida, the highest goals per game average in the NHL. Habs desperate for a win streak to get back in the playoff chase. First period, good start. Nick Suzuki sprung in alone, fires it past Sergei Bobrovsky. Tenth of the year for the Habs rookie. 1-0 Canadians. Welcome back. Super Bowl 54 kicks off about 3.30 our time tomorrow afternoon. The Chiefs are still a slight favorite over the 49ers, but it will likely come down to Patrick Mahomes being able to produce points against the 49er defense. For the last time this season, Chanel breaks it down in the red zone. After 331 preseason, regular season, and playoff games, it comes down to just one winner-take-all in Miami. Now, we could see some serious fireworks in Super Bowl 54 as both teams have high-octane offenses and rank in the top five in scoring. But the biggest question, will they cover that Vegas total? The San Francisco pass rush has been dominant. Nine sacks in the playoffs and five different players with at least six and a half sacks during the regular season. The 49ers were second in quarterback takedowns, but the KC offense has put up 86 points in two playoff games. San Fran must limit Mahomes from extending plays and improvising on the run. Speaking of the run, the 49ers have been unstoppable, racking up almost 500 yards in their two playoff wins. 
Raheem Mostert, 220 yards and four scores versus the Packers in the NFC Championship game. And now the Niners face a side that was seventh worst against the run during the regular season. But the Chiefs held NFL rushing champ Derrick Henry to his least efficient outing since week seven, holding him to just 69 yards. Patrick Mahomes had eight touchdown passes in the playoffs and has some of the best weapons in the game. And he's overcome two double-digit deficits in the process. But he faces a linebacking core that is far more superior than what he's faced so far. Expect a couple of deep throws to speedster Tyreek Hill on Sunday afternoon. Now, despite giving up 55 points in the postseason, the Chiefs' defense has actually played pretty well. Eight sacks and have allowed just 14 points in the second half of those games. Now a repeat performance and slowing down the 49ers run game could mean fireworks between Garoppolo and Mahomes. KCE is favored by one and a half points and here's a Super Bowl stat that may interest you. In the last seven years, the underdog has won outright five times. Third round of the Waste Management from Rowdy, Phoenix, Arizona. 16th hole, 25,000 or so very well-lubricated fans cheering and jeering every shot. Nothing like it in golf. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor gets them hooping and hollering after this great tee shot to four feet. Made the birdie. Nick tied 56th at minus two. He played in the same group as fellow Canadian Corey Connors, and Connors almost caused a stampede with this great shot. Nearly holes out for the ace. Connors tied with Taylor for 56th at two under. Adam Hadwin tied 40th at five under. The leader is American Tony Finau, who fired a nine under 62, highlighted by this 20-footer for Eagle on the 13th. Finau at 16 under, a one-shot lead on Webb Simpson in Phoenix. CONCACAF Olympic qualifying from Houston, Canada taking on Jamaica. Christine Sinclair sitting this one out now that she's the all-time leading goal scorer in internationals amongst soccer players. 18-year-old Jordan Heidema of Chilliwack proving today she could be the new Christine Sinclair. Scores her first in the 10th minute. Then in the 55th, she elevates for the header off the service from Deanne Rose. It's 2-0. Seven minutes later, it's a hat-trick for Heidema. Janine Becky with the nice pass. 6-0 Canada over Jamaica and Heidema was not done yet. Not by a long shot. 81st minute. And it's her fourth as she cleans up there easily into the empty net and in stoppage time, make it a handful. Five goals for Heidema as Canada wins 9-0. They're now 2-0 at the tournament. They have a tough test versus Mexico on Tuesday. Whitecaps playing some preseason games in sunny San Diego, taking on Dallas FC. Beautiful free kick by Ali Adnan to make it 2-1 2-1 Vancouver, another fantastic goal. One touch and a booming left footer from Canadian Russell Tybert. How about that? 3-1. And then Jordy Reyna with the steal here at midfield will go in and chip it over the goalkeeper as the Whitecaps win 4-1. They open their regular season four weeks from today at BC Place against Sporting Kansas City. HSBC Rugby Sevens in Sydney, Australia this weekend. Our Canadian women uh, coming off a second-place finish in New Zealand last week, picked up right where they left off. They pasted Brazil 33-10 in their opener, thanks to this Karen Packin try. Second match of the day against Fiji. Kiara Wardley will go in for the try as Canada won that one 2014. 
They also beat the USA this morning. They will play Australia in the Cup semis in a couple of hours. Our men, by the way, went one and two and will play for 11th place. And EPL today, Liverpool at home to Southampton. Reds with 23 wins, one draw in their first 24. And they keep on going, don't they? Jordan Henderson with a cracker of a goal here to make it 2-0 Liverpool. And then in the 71st, Mo Salah running on to another perfectly weighted ball, finishes to make it 3-0, and then one more for Mo as he will bundle this one in. 4-0 Liverpool, they lead now by a ridiculous 22 points over Man City. Going back to last year, Liverpool has not lost in their last 42 EPL matches. There you go. All right, thanks, Bear. Report for tonight with Sir Blackholm with nine new centimeters. Grouse a base of 250, Cypress 273, and Sasquatch 235. 19 new centimeters for Manning Park, four for Revelstoke, 10 for Fernie, and Kicking Horse 21. Two new centimeters for both Big White and Silver Star, Sun Peak 7 and Apex 14. Mount Washington a base of 166, 10 new centimeters for Whitewater, Red Mountain 3, and 16 new centimeters for Powder King. Okay, Super Bowl Sunday, of course. It's not just the biggest day in sports. At nearly $5.6 million for a 30-second commercial, it's a big day for advertisers, too. And this year, all 77 spots sold out in record time. Here's a look at what some people will see tomorrow. It's become one of the most talked-about Super Bowl ads days before the game itself. Planters killing off Mr. Peanut after 104 years as its mascot. Don't do it. In the wake of Kobe Bryant's death, Planters paused its social media campaign featuring the fiery crash, but will release ads on Sunday. Advertising expert Linda Kaplan-Thaler says other advertisers may be scrambling to make their own changes. Are we likely to see some sort of tribute or nod to Kobe in some grand way? I would not be at all surprised if somebody pulled their advertising and created some kind of tribute. Ahead of the most watched TV event of the year, Amazon teased its Alexa commercial with Ellen in Portia de Rossi. What do you think people did before Alexa? Alessa, turn the temperature down two degrees. But Kaplan-Thaler believes Hyundai's new Sonata ad, featuring recognizable faces and that Boston accent, could be the most memorable. Look who's got Smart Pack. Smart Pack? Just hit the clicker. Car packs itself. It's smart. Fresh off his Grammys wins, Lil Nas X is selling Doritos with an Old Town Road theme. And MC Hammer is making a comeback with Cheetos. You can't touch this. There will be commercials that aim to unite us, like Budweiser's new spot, and messages of female empowerment. I always knew I wanted to be a coach. Hey Rock, I got these eggs, what you want to do with them? Experts say even in the digital age, TV spots during the Super Bowl are one of the few places brands can be sure their advertising will be seen. Kenneth Craig, CBS News, New York. Of course, the sad news is that Canadian viewers will not see the Super Bowl commercials this for the first time in a number of years hmm. because they'll be seeing Canadian ads. But you can see them all online. So you can just Google them. Just go to YouTube. They're all there. Um, of course, though, the big question, who's going to win? The Chiefs or the 49ers? Well, an animal shelter in Kansas held an annual Puppy Bowl fundraiser. The puppies had to pick who they want to win by making a touchdown. The puppies are predicting the Chiefs will win. 
Oh, that is so Puppies cute. are usually never wrong. Puppies are never wrong. Trust them. <laughs> Trust them. Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11. Good night.